let me say it's great to be here. I really appreciate this opportunity. Counted a great privilege to be able to be here today. I love your new pulpit. I've never felt so tall in a pulpit. Reminded of a story of a farmer, a fellow from the city came along and visited his farm and the farmer said, uh, the city fellow was standing there talking to the farmer and his son comes along riding a horse and the, the city bloke looks up and sees the son and the farmer says, this is my son. He said, boy, he, he looks tall in the saddle. And he said, that's because he's sitting on a horse, mate. <laughs> And I guess I'm tall here in this pulpit because I'm standing on a platform, which <laughs> I appreciate very much. <laughs> and actually, it's a good height because it, I would normally have problems with glasses in preaching. I don't know if anyone... Anyway, so it's been good. It's, my glasses work today. And um, anyway, that's great. If you open your Bibles, please, to our reading, Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll just uh, commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for uh, this Lord's Day. Thank you for each Lord's Day that you give to us. And we thank you for the fellowship of the saints. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of being together. And uh, Lord, uh, this is your divine appointment for us each Lord's Day. Your word tells us that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but rather we are to do it so much the more as we see the day approaching. And Father, we thank you for your will in having the church meet like this. Father, your purposes are accomplished in our lives as we, pre as we come and worship you, as we listen to the preaching of your word, Father, you take opportunities like this to uh, speak to our hearts and I desire, Father, that today our time around uh, the word this morning will be just that, that you'll encourage our hearts, that you'll speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you'll challenge our lives to be uh, the men and women, boys and girls that you want us to be. And especially as we consider the, uh, the, the, the special day in the life of this church, but, Father, we will see uh, our role as members here to be uh, lights and uh, to be salt to, in this community, to be testimonies of the Lord Jesus, and that, Father, we may be encouraged today to know how to do that. I pray for every living stone here. The church is not the building. The church are people. We are the church. And, Lord, I pray that as living stones we will see what you want us to do and to do it with all our hearts. We thank you for the provision of your word. We thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit which dwells in every believer. We thank you, Father, for your enabling to serve and to live and, uh, Lord, for the victory that is ours in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I just uh, thank you for this church. I thank you for its pastors. I thank you, Father, for the members of this church, those who have uh, faithfully stood over the many years of its existence. And Father, by your grace, we look to you for many more years that this place will be a, a light uh, 
uh, not only as a church, but as a, as a Bible college, uh, the ministries of this church, through the outreach and the young people's ministries, Awana and Proteins and youth, for the ladies' meetings, for the men's groups, for the choir, every ministry of this church is an important part of being a light uh, in this world. And so, Lord, we just thank you. I ask your blessing upon this church. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, open your word to us, we pray. Open our hearts to it. And that, as the scripture says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And we want to listen to your word today. Enable me, Lord, help me in my weakness to be able to deliver your word as it ought. And we commit all this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. In our brief uh, uh, previous session, we had a brief look at three principles that we need, that need to be in our lives to have a mature faith. And I'd like just to build on that this morning. In uh, Hebrews 11.6, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God says, do you want to please me? If we want to please God, then God says, believe me and do what I say. And throughout the 11th chapter of Hebrews, as we looked at briefly before, we've seen instances of faith that is for the purpose of initially the Hebrew readers but also for us today to teach us and to encourage us and to strengthen us in our life of faith. And as I uh, said this morning that um, as we look back, we, we here at this little watershed of our church anniversary, we look back and we, we see what God has done over the 33 years. And I guess Pastor Davies has stories to tell uh, of ways that God has has been faithful and people that have come and people have gone. God's used certain meetings. God's done wonderful things. There's probably been difficult times, but we look back and we, we see the faithfulness of God. And that's great that we do that. But we can't live in the past. We've got a, uh, an anniversary is a time where we look where we are now. And today as we consider this um, in Hebrews 12, uh, very much focusing on the now and what we are to do as a church here in Grafton. In our time this morning, I, I want us, this time to be uh, to encourage us all uh, as we, uh, and um, sorry, to encourage us all that we may learn not only to have my mature faith, but also how to run like a champion and the verses of this that we read this morning in Hebrews 12 in one sense probably the, the, the should be the closing verses of chapter 11 <laughs> because they, they do uh, run on but here in Hebrews 12 we see the climax of what we've learned in Hebrews 11 it's with a passionate appeal the writer of the Hebrews under inspiration, the Holy Spirit points us to the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let's read those verses again. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Wherefore, now the wherefore, as we know, refers to what has we've seen before in Hebrews 11. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The Christian life is a journey. We're headed somewhere. And it's not a casual journey. Here it's called a race. It's likened to not a 100-metre sprint. It's likened to a marathon. A marathon that doesn't last 27 miles, or whatever it is in kilometres. Or is it 27 kilometres? I don't know. Anyway, but it's not a marathon. It's a race that lasts for our life. The Christian life is likened to a race because the Christian life requires commitment, it requires discipline, and it requires endurance. And the emphasis in this race, the Christian life, is not winning. It's not coming first. That's not the emphasis. The emphasis is finishing, finishing the Christian life and finishing it well. Now, today, in 2019, on this 33rd anniversary of this church, you are the ones on the field, as we see here depicted in this text. We see the heroes of the past have gone. And now, in this stadium that this church is in, if you will, we are the ones who are, it's our turn to run the race. The um, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We see here a picture of a stadium, an arena. And I think it's important to see that the main point of this scene set before us is that we have many good examples of people who faithfully trusted God in the past and their example is to be an encouragement to us to f and to follow in their steps. They have run their race and now it's time for us to run ours. We are all called to run a race. And just as a physical athlete has to be prepared, so too we are all called to be spiritual athletes. The first thing I want us to notice and how to run like a champion, and that's the title of my message this morning, how to run like a champion, 
is that we need to understand that there is a race for us to run. And it's set forth here in this first verse of Hebrews 12. Right at the outset, we have a, a picture of, the, of an arena, an athletic stadium. And the spectators are the heroes of chapter 11. Now, whether they are physically there in the heavens looking down, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't believe that it is. Why would you in heaven want to see what's going on on earth? That's, that's one of the questions. But anyway, beside the point. But I think it's important to see that the, 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 the examples of those who've gone before us should be what's in our minds as we seek to run the race that is set before us. The spectators are the heroes of chapter 11 and now it is our turn to take to the track. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God likens the Christian life to a race and God has a race for us to run. And uh, we never get to the end of that race until we draw our last breath and go to be with the Lord. Philippians 1.6 says, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we never retire from serving the Lord. So often we think that the Christian life is a race that we've always got to be racing here and there and doing this and doing that. No, it's not that sort of race either because our circumstances may change. Our abilities may change as to how we can serve. Our health may fail. We get old and uh, we are limited. We can't do the things we used to do. But that doesn't mean that we quit running the race, the Christian race. Our goal in life is to finish the race that God has set before us. I love the verse in John 4, 34. Jesus' disciples came back with some food. Jesus was at the well, Samaria, and they said, Master, we have something to eat. And he says, I have meat that you know nothing of. And they thought, darn it, someone bought him some food. <laughs> All this time we'd be worried, he'd be hungry. No, Jesus didn't mean that. And this is what Jesus said. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. His priority in life was to do the will of God and to finish the work that he had called him to do. And brethren, that should be our priority. As blood-bought children of the Lord, our priority should be to do his will and to finish his work. And as I said, that work is finished when our eyes close in death and we see the Lord in glory. Now, let me make it clear that we're not running a race to make it to heaven. <laughs> salvation, is, salvation is what puts us in this race, the Christian race. Some people are working their way to heaven. If I do this, if I do that, I might be accepted of God, I, I can go to heaven based on my works. No, no, no. We know that we are not saved by works. The Christian race, we are saved in order 
to be eligible for this race. You have to be born again to qualify for this race. We are saved to serve. It's, it's interesting to note that in order to complete, compete in the Olympics, that uh, you have to be a citizen of a country that you're representing. And we have to be a citizen of heaven first and foremost to run the race that God has placed before us. The Apostle Paul, when he was late in life, said in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is, I'm running for the tape. I'm pressing with everything that I am and have. And in Acts 20.24, we read, so that I might finish my course with joy. Paul said, I'm not going to stop running until the race is over. Even though his body was failing, his health was failing, yet that did not cease Paul's desire to keep running the race and doing what God wants him to do. Now this spiritual race that we are in is not against one another. We're not competing. We are all in this race together. God has put me and God has put you in this race and there is a purpose to my life and there is a purpose to your life and don't think for one moment that we all are to do uh, as Christians is just sit around and wait for God to take us home. No, we are in a race and uh, God has a purpose and a plan for us to do in service for him uh, while we are on this earth. So first thing we see, that there is a race for us to run. The second thing we see is that there is a person to prepare. There's a preparation. There's a person to prepare and that person is you. And that person is me. If we are to run the race set before us, then we need to be prepared, just like an athlete needs to prepare him or herself. No athlete can run a race who has not prepared to run that race. So how does an athlete prepare? Look at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. The to run a race, we are to lay aside every weight. These are things that would slow us down. An athlete doesn't run wearing an overcoat or gum boots or hobnail boots or whatever. His shoes are track shoes. They are specially designed for running. His uniform is lightweight. Uh, there are no long flowing sleeves. There's no cape coming off the back of his neck as he runs. Nothing like that. His uniform is very lightweight and in order to help him to run. Because you see, if he was to have those things, they would weigh him down. They would be an encumbrance to him. Now, these weights 
may not be wrong within themselves, but if they are weights, if they are hindrances to you being able to run the race, then Hebrews 12.1 says to get rid of them. Now, as a, these weights may not be, as I said, anything wrong within themselves, but it could be a hobby. It may be a sport. It may be work. It may be wasting time sitting in front of a TV or computer. If these things are keeping, whatever it is, if these things are keeping you from running the race, then it's simple. According to Romans 12.1, then we are to get rid of them. We are to lay aside every weight, and the weight may just be the very thing that you're thinking of right now. Yeah, there's something in my, I know I do too much of this or too much of that, and that keeps me from my preparation. It keeps me from serving the Lord as I ought. And so whatever that weight is, we need to lay it aside. And the Holy Spirit will point it out to us as we meditate on these things, I'm sure. But not only are there weights that we are to put aside, but the verse goes on to say, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The most deadening thing to our faith is sin. Faith and sin are opposites. Why don't I have more faith in my life? Why can't I trust God for things? Well, it's probably because there's sin in your life. Perhaps we are like the man who says, why pray when you can worry first? You know, often prayer is the last thing we do. Perhaps we haven't learnt to trust God. Perhaps we, as we learnt this morning, don't see God as being supernatural able to do anything. Perhaps we have a small image of God. Sin will rob us of our faith and sin will deaden our faith. If we are to run the race and the race of faith, then we are going to have to get rid of those things that weigh us down and get rid of those things that trip us up. That's simple. Now, I don't know what your sin is. As I look around, you all look holy today. (laughs) But look into your heart. Is there a besetting sin in your life? It just keeps tripping you up over and over again. Something that you are continually wrestling with. We need to lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. This is part of our preparation as believers in this race for Christian life. James 4, 7 7 and 8, we read, James says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. To resist the devil is simply to say no. That's what it means to resist. Say no. But God doesn't leave it there. He says in verse 8 that we are to draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. We are to cleanse, it says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So if we're going to run a race, there needs to be some conditioning. There needs to be 
uh, a person to prepare. We need to prepare ourselves and we do that by laying aside the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us. We, we deal with sin, we confess our sin, we have a change of mind, we repent of our sin to go, towards God. We know that 1 John 1 9 says that if we do, we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. This is how we prepare ourselves in the Christian life. There is a person to prepare. The next thing I want us to see in this running like a champion is that there is a price to pay. There's a price in being an athlete and the cost is counted and the cost that is to be counted is self-denial. That's the cost. It's being committed to the task in being an athlete I don't know if anyone knows of any athletes, people who train, but their life is is self-denial. They can't go places, they can't eat certain foods. They don't want to eat certain things because they want to be in peak condition in order to fulfil their their athletic run. Let us run with patience, verse 1, the race that is set before us. Now, the word patience here does not mean the ability to thread a needle. In growing up, I would have a, often see my mother sitting at the, on the edge of the lounge trying to thread a needle. She'd put her glasses on her nose and she would, like this, trying to thread a needle. That is not what we mean by patience here. <laughs> the word patience is much more, it's a much more heavier word. It means steadfastness, constancy, endurance. Thayer in his Greek dictionary says of patience, he says in the New Testament it refers to the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith by even the greatest trials and suffering. He exhibits a patient endurance sustaining, sorry, he exhibits a patient, enduring, sustaining perseverance. That's what it means to be patient, to run with patience. It hurts, keep going. There's distractions. Keep going. This is what it means, this word patience. And this church has been running with patience, with endurance for 33 years, I believe, to the glory of God. Endurance is the chief factor or requirement in running a race for the believer and for the church. It doesn't matter how far out front you may be. If we quit, if we seek to endure, if we cease, sorry, if we cease to endure, we are going to lose the race. Let us run with patience, with patient endurance. Don't quit. Don't quit. But it's hard. It hurts. Don't quit. Patiently endure. Be steadfast. Don't quit. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Keep looking 
unto Jesus. Don't quit. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. One of these days we are going to cross the finish line and come to the end of the race. We, that, we don't know when that's going to be. You might be a teenager here today, but you might be at the end of your course. Ever thought of that? But I'm young. I'm a teenager. What could go wrong? <laughs> but one of these days, you and I are going to breathe our last breath. But until then, we need to be keep going. We need to keep running, the Lord helping us. Now, I may be old, but I'm going to keep running. Age has nothing to do with running the race. In our age care at Beth Shan, we have an elderly, we have a number of elderly folk who are still running this race. Let me tell you about a couple. We have a lady who gets up 4:30 a.m. every morning. She's 92 and spends three hours praying for people for missionaries, for churches, for unsafer. She has book, books this thick, missionary prayer letters, and they're current. And she spends each day, 4.30 of a morning, praying for these folk. I was talking to another man in our village the other day. He had lost his wife a couple of years ago, which was a tremendous blow to him. And he really thought, and all of us thought, that he might go very soon. But the Lord has kept him. And I went and spoke to him the other day. I said, how are you going? And he says, well, going good. He says, Miss Molly, of course. He says, but, you know, God still wants me here for a reason. And I said, what's that? He said, God wants me here to pray for my family and my grandchildren. Don't think you ever get too old to keep running the race. 2 Corinthians 4.16 For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We are in a race and that race is not over until we close our eyes in death and meet the Lord in glory. There is a price to pay. In order to run this race, we need to be working out spiritually. We need to be denying self, denying sin, growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, submitting ourselves to God, resisting the devil, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to God, not being conformed to this world, Allowing the true nature of God to come through our lives by renewing our minds. This is what it means to patiently endure. This is the spiritual workout. This is why we need to have our devotions. This is why we need to be involved in a local church. That's why we need to meet together, encourage one another, to build each other up, to pray for one another. 
This is what it means to patiently endure, to be steadfast. Yes, there's a price to pay in being able to run this race well, to be a champion. And the next thing we see that there is a person to pursue. A person to pursue. The Lord who calls you is the Lord who enables you. The passionate appeal here is in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now this passage of scripture says that we should be looking unto Jesus. Why? Well, because he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the originator of our faith. He is the, the goal of our faith. Faith is not something that we can conjure up. As we read before, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto. This word means to turn the eyes away from everything else and just look on him. It's not occasional glance. It's centred, looking to him. Turning my eyes away from everything else and just looking on him. The God who calls us to this race is the God who empowers us. The Apostle Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry and Jesus the one to whom we keep our eyes upon turn your eyes from everything else and just look on him so there is a person to pursue and lastly we see that there is a prize for us to possess when you run a race, you run for the prize. As I said, the Christian life, the Christian race, is not who comes first, but who finishes, who finishes the race. The Lord Jesus was running a race. He was our example. Look at Hebrews 2 again. Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The word endure here is the same Greek word as patience. Our Lord Jesus Christ endured. He bore bravely and calmly the ill treatments he received of those who hated him. What was the joy? What joy did Jesus have in going to the cross? Was it the, the pain? Was it the, the nails? What, what does this verse mean? What does it mean for the joy that was set before him? What joy could there be in dying on a cross? What joy could there be in having his father say, turn his back on him and 
for Jesus to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What joy is that? Well, that was not where the joy was. The Lord Jesus suffered. He went through Calvary's pain for this purpose. It was for the joy of seeing you and me in heaven one day. That was the joy that was set before him. You've heard that hymn, well, it's probably a spiritual. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, we were, brethren. We were there. We were in the mind of God. We were in the eyes of God when he died upon a cross. He suffered that for you and for me, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross so that one day he'll be able to say with his nail-pierced hands, Father, let me introduce you to the bride. The joy that was set before him of seeing you and me in heaven one day. And this was the joy that the Lord Jesus had. To have those like us who believe in him, who worship him, who praise him. Jesus endured the cross and paid the price on Calvary that we might be here today. Ever thought of that? We are here today. We are here because of what Jesus has done. And because of those who have faithfully gone before us, the heroes of the faith, the apostles, the martyrs, the missionaries, the pastors over the centuries, over the years, to bring us to this point today. Someone was faithful to God because you heard the gospel. I heard the gospel. And here we are, Clarence Valley Independent Baptist Church, we're in the arena. The baton is ours. We're 33 years old and we are to run with patience. The race is set before us. The Apostle Paul endured for the same reasons. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, the Apostle Paul wrote, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Your Sunday school class, the children that get picked up on the bus here, these are our glory and joy. To see these young ones come to Christ, to be able to be in heaven with them for all eternity. Our lives, our Christian walk is to be like an arrow that points people to the Lord Jesus. We ought to have a desire to see people come to know the Lord Jesus as their own personal saviour. It is something that we should pray for. Lord, lead me to some soul today. Teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way. Few there are who seem to care and few there are who pray. Melt my heart, fill my life, give me one soul today. It is something we should pray for, the salvation of the lost. It is something that we should be prepared for, to speak to someone about their eternal destiny. We are to live the life much and speak 
when opportunity arises. We are to run the race with patience. And when we do, we know that there is a, a prize to be gained. There is a crown for everyone who finishes the race. In closing, just turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy. This was the last letter that Paul ever wrote, we believe, before he went to be with the Lord. He was ready to give his life and did give his life. But this is what he says to Timothy in verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departing is at hand I have fought a good fight I have finished my course I have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also who love his appearing as I said before, as a church, we are in this arena here at Grafton. <laughs> God has placed you in this church here in this place in Grafton. And this is where your race is to be run. My encouragement to you is this, to run the race, dear brethren. Run the race. This is what we all need to do. We need to finish our course with joy. Run the race that is set before you. We're not in competition. It's not who comes first. It's not who gets the best times. It's not that sort of race. But the goal is to finish. I cannot do what you can do. And you cannot do what I can do. You meet people that I don't meet. And I meet people you don't meet. But there's one thing we all can do. We all can look to Jesus. We all can be faithful. He is the author and finisher of our faith. There is a race to run and we need to be preparing for that race every day. Putting off those weights and saying no to those things that so easily beset us. We are to endure as we look unto Jesus. He is there saying, trust me, my grace is sufficient for you. And then at the end of the race, we will receive the prize, the rewards for faithful service. May the Lord find us faithful when he comes or when he calls us home. I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. We know that we cannot glory in ourselves in, in heaven. The crowns, the rewards that we receive, we lay at his feet and we give him all the glory. So until then, keep, let us keep looking unto him, unto the Lord Jesus. And may we have a mature faith, a faith that is based on the steadfast promises of God. I would have loved to have perhaps gone through some promises of God this morning, but that's perhaps for another time your own personal state we are kept by the promises of God 
and our life, our faith, is based on what he has said. Faith is just believing what God says he will do. And may the Lord keep us faithful till he comes. Amen.